Hey, it's Leah Rance from Afternoons on Laser 99.3 and 98.5. This episode is proudly sponsored by Academy Mortgage of Agawam. They get the deal closed. And you can listen to us now officially, not only at Laser99.3.com, not only on iTunes, not only on SoundCloud, but also on Spotify. Woo! And on today's episode, we are talking all about Spider-Man Far From Home. Leah Rance Afternoon Rance! So... Me and Kyle got to see Spider-Man Far From Home last night, finally. So now you and I, Jared, can finally discuss it. Because I know I was a little bit later than I wanted to be on it. Mm -hmm. But, uh, oh man, you're just brimming with excitement. I love this movie. Something about Spider-Man just really, just makes me feel really good. Would you go so far as to say he's like your favorite? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he is. No contest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But what's funny, before we get into it, uh, when I was camping with my family over this past weekend in Maryland, I was <laughs> I walked into the RV, and I was like, what you watching, Dad? He's like, oh, Spider-Man. It's really good. I was like, oh, cool. What? What? Uh, what Spider-Man? I don't know. Spider-Man. I was like, well, there's three. It could be Tobey Maguire. It could be Andrew Garfield. It could be Tom Holland. And I looked up and it was Andrew Garfield. And I was like, Dad, this could be so much better. What? (laughs) (laughs) Like, love yourself. (laughs) I mean, is that that even like Andrew Garfield was bad, right? No, he wasn't. Peter Parker's supposed to be a nerd. And like, Andrew Garfield is is a very good looking man. Yes. You know, like he kind of has like that weird like... He, he, he's almost like a frat boy, kind of, you know? Yes. Right? I, I thought it was really funny where they were like, they'd put glasses on him, and I'm like, oh, is that supposed to make him nerdy now? He's a nerd like, now. now he's like really attractive. He's one of us. Yeah. Because he's wearing glasses. <laughs> That's it. Like, because, well, here's how I always put it is that Tobey Maguire was the, was too nerdy, and mm-hmm. Andrew Garfield was too Spider Man. Like, so one was too Peter Parker, one was too Spider Man, and then Tom Holland is the perfect blend. They finally got it right. Of kind of both, you yeah, know. I mean, I think that if how do I how do I put this? I'm not going to be one of those people who's like, oh, he's the most comic accurate because he's he's not, quite frankly. But like, he fits really well with the MCU, like as a whole. Yeah. You know, like he fits like the the usually kind of goofy tone that a lot of those movies take on. Yeah. Right. Which I think Far From Home kind of like nailed that. Absolutely. Like, like my issues with Homecoming, which th- there wasn't many, but it was just kind of like I felt like the pacing was kind of weird and like there wasn't really any like real consequences to it, you know? Mm-hmm. Far From Home kind of like took all of my concerns for the from the first Tom Holland movie and just like killed it. Loved One it. out of ten, what would you give this? Give it like a... Mm, I think like an eight or a nine. There was very few moments in this film where I felt like kind of slowed down. I, I think, yeah, probably in... Let's go with the 8.5. How about that? I'm right there with you, honestly. Mm. I was shocked. Uh, you know, a lot of people, before I went and saw Spider-Man Far From Home, I was like, what did you think of it? And the general consensus I seemed to get was, it was way better than it had any right to be. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, you know, you could slap the Spider-Man name on it now, and you could come out with absolute garbage, and you know that people are still going to go see it, because he's arguably the most popular um, hero that Marvel currently has, you know, yeah. and and so, but the fact that this was a sequel and it was on the tail of Avengers Endgame, I mean, it had a lot to live up to, and I felt like it did it perfectly. Honestly, I mean, there's not much that you know I felt like it was lacking. Truthfully. Yeah, I felt very satisfied walking out of that theater. Like I thought Mysterio was great. 
which again like if you've ever picked up a comic book you are we are we just gonna jump into like spoilers like yes we, okay so beyond this point you know we we yeah. about to get into spoiler central yeah. here so you know what just the final rating I think the both of us agree eight point five nine ish you know like yeah. in, in that range right. yeah yeah eight point yeah. seven eight point seven yeah we can meet in there all right there yeah yeah very good on Thor Ragnarok <laughs> level. Okay, here we go. So, I mean, Mysterio's the bad guy. Shocker, I know. Well, anytime you throw Jake Gyllenhaal... I knew that from the trailer. I looked at Jake <laughs> Gyllenhaal, and ever since I've seen him as Donnie Darko, I've never trusted that mother... <laughs> the minute I've seen him, honestly, I'm like, he's got those crazy eyes. Like, you can't... <laughs> he does! He has crazy Jake, eyes! I mean, like, I've never put a... You know, I've never actually thought about that, but you're right. Yeah, yeah he's got those... Gyllenhaal's the crazy eyes. Yeah, yeah, he has those wide, bulging blue eyes, and I'm like, there's no way that he's like... Actually, but that being said, I kind of was almost second guessing myself in the beginning. Were you doing that? Again, it, I think it's just because like I've read a lot of the comic books, mm-hmm. and I think it, so. I mean, like it doesn't surprise anybody who's like really familiar with like the Spider-Man villains and stuff, where mm-hmm. they're like, "Oh, Mysterio's the bad guy." Shocker, you know? Right. But I'm I'm still like more than happy with how they executed him. They switched him around a bit from the comics. Which, how so? Uh, so he never worked for Stark. Okay. Uh, in the comics or anything, he's just oh. like a Hollywood effects guy, essentially. Oh, okay. so they kept that part right where they use. I mean, there's some like versions of him where like he uses like actual magic and stuff, but generally, uh, like when he first started out, he was a Hollywood effects guy that used all of like this like advanced like special effects technology to like create these scenarios. Yeah, and I think it was really good to just in a Spider-Man movie to finally have like a down-to-earth evil dude. Who like does not care if he needs to kill Peter Parker? Does not care if he needs to kill his friends, but like because I felt like with the Vulture, right? Uh, like you, you could kind of understand where he was coming from, right? Right. Well, I feel like he was more of an understandable villain, right? Yeah, yeah. He was he was definitely more empathetic. Like this guy was just kind of, and and people have argued in the past that Marvel's villains have been on the weaker side than mm-hmm. maybe DC's, but I feel like they're getting a little bit more complex. Honestly, I liked the whole level of the fact that he was, you know, um, Tony Stark's employee who had been fired for being unstable. I love when he said that. <laughs> like, can you believe? As, as he just stole <laughs> like a weapon of mass destruction from a 16-year-old kid. He's like, I'm unstable. And I love that they kind of came back to barf, as it was called, <laughs> and what he used as uh, Tony Stark used as his therapy project and kind of um, managed to blend it together. It fit very seamlessly to, to mm-hmm. use that technology. And it almost makes you think, did they already have this planned, or was it just that convenient for them to be able to use it, you know? Yeah, so even in the interviews, they haven't really touched on that that much. So I am curious to know if it's like, hey, we're actually going to make, like we're going to plant Jake Gyllenhaal's character to be like this employee, and then eventually it's going to turn out to be Mysterio. I don't know if they did it like that, Yeah. but regardless, it worked really well, however it, it came to be. It did, and um, I have to address Probably one of the more terrifying moments that I've ever experienced in the Captain, like, or I'm sorry, in the uh, uh, any Marvel movie. Surprising to say in this Far From Home, and you might not agree with me, but I found this terrifying. Is when he was going up against Mysterio mm-hmm. and going up against uh, Barf, <laughs> the reality <laughs> machine, and everything. His reality was just constantly shifting. It terrified me. On a, I was like. 
as someone who doesn't like my reality being shifted <laughs> at all or liking psychedelic things, uh, it scared me so bad to think of an enemy that you don't even know what's real. Oh, yeah. And I was like watching it and I was legitimately like, how is he going to get out of this? I don't know how you get out of something you like this. You get hit this. by a train. You That's get hit by a train, <laughs> right. I was like, oh, man. Which, by the way, the action sequences brought about by Mysterio's barf technology was so cool. I think like probably my favorite action scene in an MCU movie yet yeah. was like that kind of like hallway-type fight scene near the end. Right. When, when Mysterio essentially, where basically he finds his uh, his Spidey sense, the, his the Peter, Peter Tingle. Tingle. Yeah, the Peter Tingle again. <laughs> and he just uses that to like navigate through all the drones and stuff. I thought that was Ooh, awesome. I get I chills it. just I thinking about the fact that, you know, he here, you know, Mysterio is, he's about to hand him Edith. He's like, here you go. And he catches that drone. You know, Peter Parker yeah. catches that drone right next to him and, you know, he crushes it without even thinking. You're just like, ah! Well, not to mention when, not to mention like when he, uh, when he realizes that he's essentially in like Inception, when he's like, "Oh, look at that! I'm staring at a dying Mysterio," and then he like catches the gun behind his head. That's I yeah. thought that was awesome. I uh, and, and and again, brilliant acting and from Tom Holland and the fact that there were moments where his eyes would get all watery and he get, I like that he was kind of he was emotional yeah. he would get like teary eyed a lot in this he got teary eyed when Nick Fury was like I don't know if you're ready for this and I was like I would cry too probably and then he was like he was crying when you know the Mysterio was like you're not ready for this and he's like I know I know I'm not you know what oh. I mean and also he got hit by a train he cried about that too I was like These I, would are cry, all... I would cry after, about getting hit by a train that's, that's what I like about him he's so damn likable because he's so relatable mm-hmm. like in uh, with his dorky side not his spider-man side but his dorky side that you're like man i really feel that you know mm-hmm. so and just tom holland having control in, uh, over the character i mean you really can't to me a, a mark of a good actor and why i feel like tom holland and zendaya were are such good casting for this is that mm-hmm. i truly believed that they were these characters oh, that, absolutely. That, that, that in real life that they were these characters so yeah so you know and we'll maybe we'll jump around from characters and stuff but mm-hmm. you know but with mysterio too you know it's funny um in the beginning for those that weren't familiar with the comics like I am, I was looking at him and how he says, you know, oh, I'm I'm from a multiverse. And I was like, holy crap, we're about to get into like <laughs> yeah. multiverses. Um, was there any, there was a moment where I thought maybe it was a comic book, like a little, um, what's that called? Where it's like a, a Easter egg kind of deal mm-hmm. where he tells, he tells Peter Parker, he's like, this is reality 616, and I'm from... Is that an issue? Yeah, okay, no, so Earth 616 is actually the mainline Marvel... So, like, in the comics, like, if you were to pick up, like, a Spider-Man issue right mm-hmm. now, that is the universe that they're in right now. That's it's so Earth cool. 616. But another cool thing, where he says, oh, and I'm from... I think he says 383. I don't know it off the top of my head. I could be misquoting it. That is actually, again, they're in Europe. Uh, 313 is actually the universe of Spider-Man UK. Wow. Yeah, so, so they went like really deep into like. I had a feeling I really when that. I heard that. I was like, that definitely had to have been an Easter egg. Why oh, yeah. would they pick those numbers? And not only, you know, with in the beginning where he's describing the multiverse, but also when you're seeing him in action, it was very 
it kind of reminded me of um, Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. I love where Aunt May goes, Mister Strange. Like, is, is that <laughs> Mister Strange? Because he's shooting at the green lasers and stuff. And I just felt like he did seem like kind of a fully formed hero that you could kind of believe that he was just, oh, okay. So, and and Jake Gyllenhaal is such a big name actor that you're kind of like, okay, well maybe they are setting him up to be something else. You know, maybe these elementals mm-hmm. are going to be like a, a new thing that we're going to have to defeat. And, and you know. It was believable, honestly. Yeah, it's a Marvel movie. I know that like they like to condense some of these storylines to kind of just like one-off movies. I would have loved it if there was a different villain, like Mysterio stayed as a good guy this whole time, and then like Mm -hmm. the next Spider-Man movie, which it's already confirmed they're going to be making a third one, Mm -hmm. is like if the third one was about like Mysterio like getting like gathering all of the other Spider-Man villains and like doing like a Sinister Six kind of deal. Right. Be like you had thought that I know when we talked about Avengers Endgame that that's Mm -hmm. kind of what they were prepping for. But spoiler alert, he dies. So dies, quote unquote. So you don't think he's dead. No, I don't think they'd waste Gyllenhaal like that. I'd be very surprised if he doesn't come back. Well, he did leave quite a bomb at the very end, so it was really funny. Um, You know, it still blows my mind when people leave the theater after Mm. some movie has ended. I'm like, 10 years of this, and you guys haven't learned yet that there's going to be end credits? Which, by the way, this is my favorite mid-credits scene. So, once again, we're in heavy spoiler territory. Um... In the mid-credits scene, when him and MJ are swinging around the city, oh, I love that! And then, like, like they turn to the screen, and it's Mysterio essentially just saying, "Hey, Spider-Man just killed me." And then you, uh, and then he says, "Oh yeah, no." And by his name is Peter Parker, and it's like the picture of Peter Parker. And then it's J. Jonah Jameson. Um, I'm forgetting the actor's name, and it's killing me right now. J.K. Simmons. There we go. Okay, J.K. Simmons. Okay, so J.K. Simmons has reprised his role as J. Jonah Jameson in the mid-credits scene. And I love how he's not even like a TV exec or like anything like that. No, they went like full Alex Jones conspiracy theorist, and I love it. The character, I, I'm really excited to see if he's going to pop up in Spider-Man 3. I really want to see that happen. I imagine he would. He was just, he's just so perfect for that role. That's oh, yeah. like perfect casting that you couldn't recast as him being like, I want pictures of Spider-Man. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I mean, that kind of left out. Okay, so now Spider-Man is going to be seen as this villain, and he basically has to like redeem <laughs> like his name, honestly. So that left like a boom. We're already into the next plot <laughs> here for the you know. Yeah, and what's that's kind of why. I, yeah, and that's kind of why I don't think Mysterio's dead. Because I, I think like that plot point leaves it open enough to the point where I th- I still think they're probably going to be doing a Sinister Six movie at some point. Mm, okay, yeah. Which who would that involve? So so far the current Spider-Man villains that they have, uh, Mysterio, obviously mm-hmm. dead or alive, whatever winds up happening there. Uh, they have the Vulture from the first movie, uh, Scorpion from the credits of the last one. You know when uh, the Vulture's walking through the prison, mm-hmm. guy with the scorpion tattoo. Yeah, shocker. Um. Then Dimitri, the bus driver, actually from this movie. Oh, really? Yeah, he—that's the same name as the guy who plays the chameleon. Okay. So people are thinking that might happen, and then I, I don't know—they might do like a Norman Osborn thing, or they might do Doc Ock again. So kind of up in the air. Something you should—it's funny you should mention that. That kind of gets into something else that was mm-hmm. really just kind of sticking with me. There was a moment at the very end, and it was kind of brushed over, but I can't remember what his friend's name is—the one that's really obsessed with Spider-Man and he's constantly live streaming. Oh, that's uh, Flash Thompson. 
he makes it a show of like, is mom here? And the butler's like, no, mom's not here. I felt really bad about that, actually. And it seemed like kind of just a, oh, that's kind of sad. He's like this rich kid who's like not really getting attention Mm -hmm. from his parents. But it also kind of like made me think, I was like, why did they choose to add that in the midst of this like... It kind of it stuck with me. I was like, "This seems like it's foreshadowing something sinister going on here." He's obsessed with Spider Man. Mm-hmm. He's not getting attention from mom and dad. Now he's a little bit closer to the truth of who Spider Man is. You know? Yeah. So I think the MCU might be pulling a fast one on us because Flash Thompson in the comics is uh, not Flash Thompson. He turns into Agent Venom. What is in that? the comics? So it's actually a good guy version of Venom. So after uh, the Venom symbiote leaves Eddie Brock, uh, he essentially joins uh, Venom. Essentially joins with Flash Thompson to become like this space-faring super soldier. So I don't know if they're going to go that far with it. I kind of felt like it was like leading us to believe he is going to be evil. Yeah, that's why I wouldn't be surprised if they do like a Green Goblin type deal with him, where it's like yeah. may- maybe his dad is you know like yeah. a big tech dude. I-, I don't know how they're doing it because they haven't talked about the Osborn family at all. In mm-hmm. these past two movies, so I'm kind of curious how they're going to want to. I was kind of wondering if that was going to be kind of their answer. They just That's what I was thinking. Gonna, yeah name him Osborne. They were just going to name him something else. Now, let's talk about Zendaya as MJ. You know, and while I was watching this movie, I got thinking about the controversy, quote unquote, going on right now about the Little Mermaid currently being cast as a black woman who's typically and and the same controversy that went around Zendaya being cast as MJ, who's also typically portrayed as a white woman with red hair. But uh, Zendaya was cast. And I think this movie just really proves the point that it's it's about the actor being the right fit, you know, Having red hair or being white is not integral to the storyline going on. So it doesn't matter. Like, this movie really, for me, solidified why she was chosen as MJ. I never cared for the character of MJ up until this movie. And I genuinely loved her. Like, I would say was one of my favorite characters to watch every time she took the screen. Mm -hmm. Like, she just knew that character. And I believed her as MJ. I liked the whole, you know, MJ is always seen as like the the neighborhood, the girl next door type, which she is, but she's also weird. And I I say that in a, a like, not in a Beetlejuice Lydia kind of weird, but she's definitely got her quirks. Like, she likes, Mm -hmm. he wants to buy her the Black Dahlia necklace, like the murder, and she just, she reminds me of friends that I've had, like, you know, in a a good way. Like, she felt organic, you know? She didn't do the Daria act the whole time. It was very Mm -hmm. multifaceted, and I just couldn't speak higher of this character. Like, I never cared for any of the love interests that that um, were portrayed in the movies. And even in Homecoming, I don't feel like we got enough of her. Yeah, well, the, in Homecoming, I actually didn't really care for her character too much. Yeah. Because I thought she kind of did, because I thought that she kind of grew as a character yeah. this time around, because they really, they kind of gave her the spotlight, and they were like, hey, we'll have, you know, like, we'll give her a character arc, and we'll see how this plays out. Yeah. In the first movie, she didn't really have that, so she seemed just kind of like this, like, kid who was trying to be too edgy. I felt like she movie. was just kind of background, like, this is going to happen, yeah, but we're exactly. not going to do much about this right mm-hmm. now, you know, 
what I mean? And this one was, re- she was really like a focal point. Yeah. And she like stepped into the, like, I mean, just beautifully. Like, I, again, I can't speak higher. Every time I'd watch her and his chemistry, I couldn't, when I, they kissed, I just like, <laughs> I couldn't look because it was like watching two like children. Like, I just, I was so cute, but I was like, oh, they're so awkward. Like, I love it. It was, you know? it was really funny. Oh, yeah. It, it, the, no, she did a great job with it. I, I loved Zendaya on this one. Best freaking chemistry, you know, between the two of them, honestly. And it was so believable and mm-hmm. organic and sweet. And like, honestly, one of my favorite couples ever being portrayed in Mar- it's crazy to me because again homecoming it never really was explored and then it was like far from home and i was like oh my god i'm actually like really like rooting for this to happen and oh, yeah. i'm really upset about brad being <laughs> the foil like okay, actually brad was a huge easter egg that like i didn't even realize until i was thinking about it later so brad is a character in the comics who yeah. when spidey and mj broke up in the comics like pfft, 30 yeah. years ago, right? Yeah. Brad had a brief fling with MJ in oh. the comics for like a few months. All right. Wow. I was baffled when I, because I was thinking about that. I was like, wait, who was that guy? And I was like, oh, sh-. it's that guy that they brought back from like 30 years ago. Yeah. Which, by, okay, we, we, I actually need to bring this up to you. Is nobody going to address how he's technically 21? What are you talking about? Didn't he survive the blip? I thought that was their whole thing when he was like, yeah, he got jacked when he survived the blip. Like, oh, is he yeah. 21 trying to mack on a 16-year-old? <laughs> well, he's probably still... That's an interesting thing with the right? blip that I kind of wanted more explanation for. And I was thinking about this morning like while I was kind of mulling over the whole movie. So, this means when the blip happened, just to... Because I still get a little bit confused by it. So, the people that were left behind aged normally... But the people that are coming back are five years older? Or is it the opposite? No, okay, so anybody who survives just aged normally, right? Yeah. But anybody who got blipped stayed the same age from when they got back. So they got blipped at 16, they're going to come back 16. But whoever survived that, let's say they were 16 when the blip happened, they're 21. So Brad survived and he's 21 Yeah, which is why I'm kind of baffled by his character being MJ came back and she's 16. Exactly. So... Yeah, so like he aged normally, so he should have the mentality of a 21-year-old. I love the fact that, oh my gosh, that whole, and no better, one of the best openings, honestly, in a Marvel movie. I thought that was so perfect. With the Comic Sans in Memoriam. So good. And and you're like, (laughs) my theater was silent. It was so weird. I I love when I started to hear, and I, I was like, no, don't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is funny because I think there's a couple things that I really think that opening scene solidified. A, it was the humor in this movie. I mean, I know I told you this via via text message. I I think this is probably the most funny. Marvel movie that I've seen. It's definitely up there. I would say it's up on the likes of Thor Ragnarok where they were both like really funny and I felt like in the same vein it's when they finally have figured out and this solidifies that they know who Spider-Man is, they mm-hmm. know what the tone is and that's how they finally got Thor right was like they finally got that tone right, oh, yeah. you know. But not to say that Homecoming they didn't get it either. It's Tom Holland really doing a lot of the good oh, work here. Yeah. He's always kind of had this really crazy understanding of the character. But yeah, mm-hmm. the humor in it, I mean, just was, 
it was so good because it's so self-aware at this point of how ridiculous it is. Mm-hmm. And when I first saw the trailer for the movie, I was thinking to myself, oh, no, it's going to be like this weird standalone that's like, you know, just him on a one-off villain. And now I'm so used to these grandiose schemes and these grandiose plots that there's no Thanos, there's no overarching thing going on. So what am I going to, how am I going to, you know, get back into this one-off, you know, like how they were in the early 2000s of just you beat the bad guy, you get the girl, and then it's over. What, you know, what else? And um, I love the fact that Spider-Man throughout this is kind of also like the audience dealing with like, okay, so I guess I'm supposed to be the new Iron Man, and how Mm -hmm. am I going to fill these shoes after this huge arcing story is over. I feel like it was kind of very self-aware in making fun oh, yeah. of that because it's like, w- w- the audience is also like, yeah, how are you going to be able to carry this, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and I think that I actually, I love and hate the scene where he's making the black and red suit near the end because, so when they're playing back and black and everything and he's like, oh, I love Led Zeppelin. You know, like, <laughs> right. like, like yeah. I thought that was funny, but like thinking back on it, they spend this entire movie trying to tell him that he's his own character and that like he needs to be the hero that everybody else deserves. Mm-hmm. Like him kind of coming to his own and then he's essentially just, uh, like I, I get how it's kind of a tribute for him to like be like Tony, but at the same time I feel like that almost kind of devalues him in a sense. I got you. But I like when Happy was like, you're never going to be Tony right. Stark. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're always going to be, you know, Tony couldn't even be Tony Stark. So, you know, yeah. which I was like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, he couldn't. <laughs> and I also had to remind myself too, as a major Cap fan, um, while there was that brief thing where they're showing the in memoriam video of uh, of Iron Man and Captain America and you know all of them that this was mainly Spider-Man had a the strongest relationship with Tony mm-hmm. and with Iron Man and that we are also being told as the audience that he is going to be the new leader of these new Avengers mm-hmm. and so th- it makes sense that there would be a lot more uh, you know things dealing with like Tony's past and Tony's legacy especially given the fact that he was the one that kind of did the sacrifice and everything. So, you know, I, at the same time, I had to quell my little Captain America heart. I was like, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have a relationship like that. They're yep. just both well, from well, New York. Know, we're bound to eventually get another Captain America movie. Yeah, with, it's going to be Falcon. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's oh. that's bound to happen at some point. Anthony Mackie. It's going to happen. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited for Anthony Mackie to take on the handle of Captain America. I'm, I'm ready for it, honestly. Yeah, I'm really excited yeah. for it. Um, but uh, yeah, so let's talk about the uh, the also the side characters. I feel like Ned gets forgotten a lot about in these yeah. conversations about it, and what a great like supporting character he is, honestly, mm-hmm. throughout this. I love that. First off, that kid's timing is like impeccable. Oh, it's great. Yeah, He's yeah. so quick, like and funny and. I loved his little side relationship he had going on with the girl. <laughs> and I love that he was like, oh, you know, when you talk to me, <laughs> that was a boy talking to you that we were going to be single in Europe. But now I've met a woman. And I'm a man. And I'm a man now. <laughs> He's so, man, he gets the award in this movie for being like the most like anything 
Spider-Man throws at him and he's like, yeah, I'm on it. I'm, I, I, yeah, I already, I've got it taken care of. I've got you, like, covered. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Ned is the one you want on your side, mm-hmm. honestly. Well, I actually really like the kind of competition that I think, I think it's probably going to get brought up again in the next movie, how uh, him and MJ kind of had, like, a mm. little little rivalry that they teased yes. out there. I think that, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Also, I feel like a shout-out should be to the two teachers that... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. One of the guys was from Silicon Valley, which... Yes. I'm Immediately had like my stamp of approval, but he was in the first one, so like I already knew that he was like a solid choice. Martin Starr. Yes. Yeah. He. Oh my god. It was funny because I looked at him and looked at him and I was like, why does he look so familiar? Because he plays such a different character in Silicon Valley. He plays like a Satanist, like yeah. you know, who's like like a Daria type, and then in this one, he's like really nervous and he's talking about his divorce and stuff. And oh, like that was. So- <laughs> <laughs> Me and the entire theater just like collectively like I think that was probably the thing that like got everybody laughing the most. Yeah, uh, was when he was like, "Yeah, no, my my wife pretended to be uh, gone in the blip for five yeah. years," and then like, everybody <laughs> the theater was like, "Oh no." Um, I'm also trying to think of the actor's name who played. Um, hold on. Oh, the assistant teacher there. Yeah, JB Smoove. That's the guy's name. JB Smoove as Mr. Dell. All right. And yeah. what I loved about him was again, Marvel coming in with this deep character development. And this is why Marvel so far has just been whooping DC mm-hmm. is the fact that they really take these time into these smaller characters too that for no other purpose like just to be Fully realized. Mm-hmm. I loved his reoccurring thing about witches. That was so funny. He was like, "I've made a science. It's witches. It's witches." And you think, "Haha, he's making a joke." But then when, um, when Peter puts on Edith on the Edith glasses mm-hmm. and he looks over at JB's move, you see that he has a history in witchcraft. Yeah. And then like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. He was reading like, like a like a like a witching for dummies type deal book. It was so funny. Yes, I just I was like. There's no other reason except that this could be just a highly rewatchable movie where you catch these other little small things going mm-hmm. on that like just make it even better, honestly, to, right. to watch again and again. So I just they've really hit their stride. I mean honestly. the casting is also phenomenal. Going back to yeah. like what you were saying is that like Marvel has always done a great job at casting, like like bar none. And I think that's probably the reason why they're still winning over DC. It's like they can't find people who really fit these roles super mm-hmm. well. I mean, like, hell, I mean, like, Ben Affleck just bailed on Batman. And that's who we're forgetting to talk about, too. Nick yeah, Fury! Yeah, oh, I was gonna get there. That was, yeah. Uh, was, yeah. Nick Fury in this was, uh, man, he's he's struggling, this character. Not yeah. not that the actor is struggling, but, like, his character in the series. I understand. He's like, I can't believe right now I'm getting ghosted. I was the, <laughs> that was so funny. I was the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. and I'm getting ghosted by a high schooler. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No, I, I feel like it's interesting because where does S.H.I.E.L.D. fit now after the events of Endgame? Yeah. I mean, and the fact that he was gone for five years in the blip and he comes back and he He's like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, you know? right. He can't keep intel on anybody anymore. Mm-hmm. You know. I think it'll be interesting over like this next phase of movies to see how, um, basically, how they rebuild Shield. Yeah, because right now it's just him and uh, 
I always want to call her Shabotsky. Oh, Mar- uh, Maria Hill? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but she's Shabotsky. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just the two of them right now. Yeah. Oh, and we are missing. I, I was, I was, oh, yeah. I, I was going to close on the. Uh, Go for it. Yeah. So, and obviously, the there was two after credit scenes, right? There was the one with J.K. Simmons, uh, J. Jonah Jameson, where they talked about the Spider Man spoil. Uh, well, the next Spider Man movie, right? Now they talked about the future of the MCU in this next one, which basically we don't know for how long, but Nick Fury and Maria Hill have been scrolls for some time now. So it's it's revealed in the end credit scene that they're alien. That's uh, I think it's Talos. I think that's his name. So Talos and his wife are seen basically shape shifting from Nick Fury, Nick Fury and Maria Hill into their actual scroll forms. So this, and I know I mentioned it when we were talking about Endgame. This tees up Secret Invasion again, and I am so ready for this. So there's a couple things that the MCU is going to wind up doing. Secret Invasion is essentially when the scrolls infiltrate Earth because there's good and bad scrolls, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, it's essentially when the bad ones take over some of like the highest uh, positions of power, mm-hmm. like in the world. So like presidents, people like that. And it also tees up at the end of this end credit scene with Nick Fury being in space talking with the scrolls. I think it sets up uh, how we were just talking about how he's going to rebuild S.H.I.E.L.D. He's probably setting up S.W.O.R.D. in space right now. So I'm joking, it's a comic book I... thing where it's essentially... S.W.O.R.D. and S.H.I.E.L.D. from Pokemon! Believe it or not, yeah! <laughs> no, uh, in the comics, uh, like the essentially like the space version of S.H.I.E.L.D. Of Shield is called S.W.O.R.D. Oh. And I think that's what they're kind of teeing up, too, with like the new Guardians movie, how they're going to be doing a Nova movie, another Captain Marvel, and like like I think they're going to have like the, the more space-oriented movies We're going now. into space, my into dude. Space. Well, they got they got their confirmation that it would work with the box office numbers from Guardians and from Captain Marvel. They yeah. got their their yeah. confirmation that basically like, hey, you guys cool if we go into space? Yeah, okay, all right, we're going. Like, 